Morning, Door Creek. Morning. Pastor David, one of the pastors here at Door Creek, the campus pastor of Northside Madison, in which you were just hearing some great information about it, uh, soon to be open. But we have a great outreach ministry, Door Creek does, on the north side of Madison called Boomerangs. And Boomerangs is a resale store, and we are right now recruiting and looking for more volunteers for people to come in and get their hands dirty and get our products clean. So we're looking for you to sign up. We have a table outside, so after service, please stop by if you have any questions. Um, you know, if you want to know how to donate or how to sign up to be a volunteer, we have that information here at the table. So please check it out after service today, and um, we'll be glad to have you. Boomerangs is a, is a great uh, ministry that we have going on over there on the north side, and we just truly thank God for the different people that come in that we're able to meet able to talk with. Uh, if they're having issues in life, we can pray with them. And um, if they're having, you know, shortage of substances or things that they need, you know, um, clothes, we, we can give them some clothing and things like that. So it's, it's a great opportunity for you to come and be a part of, of that ministry because we are God's hands. We are God's hands touching the world. And so we truly do need you. And uh, so thank you for your consideration. And for you that are already volunteering, thank you for, um, for what you are doing and what you have done. So thank you so much. All right? So we are continuing our series here on the tales of the kingdom, or in other words, the parables of the kingdom. And we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And we know that the kingdom is truly uh, is near. As Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And we know a kingdom is where, there are, where a king's domain is. Wherever there's a king who has dominion, a domain, you have a kingdom. And so God is our king. And Jesus is our king. So we're going to talk about his kingdom, but we're going to talk about the parables of the kingdom. And Jesus used many parables to do his teachings. Early on in Jesus' ministry, he taught basically only by uh, Parables. He, he taught, I mean, early on, he, he didn't teach as much as in parables, but later on, he did begin to teach in parables. And in the Gospels, the synoptics of, of the Gospel, you find about 35 uh, parables that Jesus taught. And he taught those parables to teach truths. Truths. People often ask, why, why wouldn't Jesus just come out and say what he's trying to say? Why is he speaking parables? Well, the disciples wanted to know that. Also, why are you speaking in parables? Well, this is what a parable is. It's a simple story that illustrates truth. It uses basic, simple things in life to illustrate a biblical or spiritual truth. And he spoke these parables to different, a different group of people. Um, as uh, Pastor Ryan preached last week in uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, there are seven parables in chapter 13 itself. And the first four parables, Jesus spoke to the multitude of people. He spoke to all the people that were gathered around him. And then the latter three, the last three parables in that chapter, he spoke only to his disciples. He spoke it to his disciples. And so there were different audiences that heard the parables. And Jesus spoke those parables because for those who believe, he spoke parables to reveal truth. For everyone who believed, he spoke parables to reveal the truth. But there was the other group of those that did not believe, like the Pharisees. Well, the parables were spoken then to conceal the truth to those that did not believe. 
So it's just depending on what side you're on, whether you're on the believing side or the unbelieving side. If you're on the unbelieving side, you had no idea what he's talking about because the truth was concealed. But if you're on the believing side, you can understand what he was saying because the truth was being revealed through his parables. So we're going to look at a parable today that Jesus spoke, and it's called the impure spirit, or the King James Version called the unclean spirit. So we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew chapter 12. If you can turn there, please. Matthew chapter 12. And we're going to be reading from verse 43 through 45. Let us pray before we read the scripture. Gracious God, we thank you today for your blessings. Thank you for this time together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your word that you have prepared for our hearts today. And Lord, we pray that we will humble ourselves and that we will hear your word and we'll be doers of your word. We thank you, Jesus, and we praise you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, the impure spirit. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, and does not find it. Stop there for a moment. When an impure spirit, what is an impure spirit? An impure spirit is a sinful spirit, a wrongful spirit, immoral spirit, a spirit that doesn't want to obey, a spirit that's contrary to God, doesn't want to do right. Um, it's, it's all about itself. It's, it's impure. Okay? Nothing good about it. Everything it does is impure. Everything it thinks is impure. Okay? Everything it's involved with is impure. So this impure spirit leaves a person. Okay? Let's say it's, it's cast out of the person. Um, it, it takes a leave of this person. And it goes through arid or dry places. It goes through places seeking rest. And it doesn't find any because it's going through places where there is no rest. It's going to places where there, it's dry. There is no rivers flowing. There is no water. There is no, 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 uh, uh, no peace. And so it, it, it's, it's seeking a new place to reside because now it has left its old house. Okay? We're going to look at the before, the intermediate, and the after of this house. House refers to the soul. Okay? When we say house, we mean soul. Okay? So it leaves this soul, and it goes looking for a new place, a new place to rest, a new place to reside. But it finds none. It finds no place. So it says, the next part of this verse, it says, I will return back to the soul or the house that I left. But when it arrives, it finds that house unoccupied, but swept clean and put in order. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. It leaves one house seeking rest in another place, but finds none and says, I will return where I came, where I was cast out, where I was evicted. I will return there. And when he comes in, he peeks through and he sees that the house is unoccupied. There's nobody there. It's swept clean and it's put in order. It's garnished. It's decorated. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's nice. Everything is in order. But it's empty. It's a wonderful house, but it's empty. So therefore, it being empty is an invitation for that spirit to come back in. It's an invitation that says it's swept clean, 
It looks good. It's decorated. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to live and I'm going to enjoy myself. Uh-huh. Being unoccupied means nothing filled that space. When the spirit left, nothing came in to fill that space. Think about our lives. When God blesses us, maybe we have bad habits. Maybe we have some things that we need deliverance from. Maybe there's some thoughts and some actions and some things that we do and we, we're, just, we're just fed up with it. We're tired of doing it. And all of a sudden, one day, God delivers us from that and he casts that spirit out and that spirit is no longer in us, but it's gone. But we don't ask God to then fill us. Hmm? We've been, we've been delivered from the bad habit, but we didn't ask God to fill us up with his spirit. And when you're not filled with God's spirit, it leaves space for that impure spirit to come back. And what does the scripture says? And when it comes back, it, it brings seven more, more wicked than itself. Okay? So, yes, maybe you've been delivered from gambling, but if you didn't allow God to fill you up with his spirit... And that gambling spirit comes back, it's going to bring seven more, which might be drinking, might be pornography, might be all kinds of things that are more wicked than itself. And then your condition is worse than it was at first. That's what the scripture says. It says seven more spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. They don't just go there and check it out. They go there and live there. That means they reside, they get comfortable there. They make themselves at home there. They don't feel uncomfortable in your life because there's nothing in you to make it feel uncomfortable because you didn't allow God's spirit to come in. When we're emptied out, we have to be filled up. Final condition of that person is worse than the first. So you're in a worse condition than you were at first because... You didn't allow God to fill you up with his spirit. Think about it. When you have, me and my wife, we had a, a room in our house. And the room had some stuff in it. And when we cleaned it out, vacuumed it, and swept it out, and had it all nice and emptied out and pure, we're like, oh, yes, now we can do something with this room. But we kept walking past it not doing anything. So eventually, we accumulated more things in our lives. And every time we walked past that room, we put a box in that room and said, okay, yeah, we got, you know, it's out of our living space. We can put it in, in a room. And then eventually, a week later, another box, oh, let's put it in, let's put it in this room. Because this room, which was empty, that we cleaned out, is now becoming full again with seven boxes more wicked than the first. All right? <laughs> More seven boxes that are junkier, that got a whole lot of other stuff in it. And so that room ended up being worse than it was at first because we didn't fill it up with furniture. We didn't put a TV in there. We didn't decorate it with the things that we wanted in there so that we could use the room. But now it became a junk room. That's what happens in our spiritual souls, our lives. We become a junk room because we don't allow God to fill us up with his spirit. And when God fills us up with his spirit, then it avoids, we avoid those evil spirits and those impure spirits and the seven brothers and sisters worse than the first. Then God fills us up because the spirit, the impure spirit cannot dwell where God dwells. Cannot cohort, cannot cohabitate. We are not a duplex. 
Amen? Where God lives on one side and the devil lives on the other side and there's just a wall between us. No. When the impure spirit leaves, we got to ask God, fill me with your joy. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your strength. Fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your knowledge. Fill me with your spirit, God. I want to love right. I want to walk right. I want to talk right. I don't want to leave space for any evil things to come back. So that soul that was empty, swept clean, it's, it, it, it's, it's the story, it's the picture of the Pharisees. It's the picture of the Israelites that when they were in captivity in Babylon, God had no issue, no problem with them knowing and, and wanting to obey because now they were under suffering. But when they were delivered and they stopped serving God again, it allowed space for those evil things to come back again. See, the Pharisees, which knew all the rules, the religious folks, they had all it, it all together. They knew the law. They knew the rules. They kept it all. They were swept clean, and they were decorated and in order, but they didn't have the spirit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of folks come to church can do the church thing, can do it right, know how to walk it, know how to talk it, know how to do the door creek talk, know how to do the door creek walk, do all of that, know how to do the door creek shuffle, all of that stuff. <laughs> but if you're not filled with God's spirit, it does you no good. Because it's the spirit that we walk in and that we live in. It's the spirit, it's God, it's Jesus' power, Jesus' name that helps us Continue to be delivered and to overcome the, um, to overcome the enemy and to remain delivered. It's his name. And let me tell you, demons shiver, tremble at the name of Jesus. Demons hate the name of Jesus. You can call mama, daddy, pastor, bishop, pope, anybody. But when you call Jesus, hell shakes. Hallelujah. When you call Jesus, heaven, the angels say, what do you need? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. And demons can't stand it. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. Demons can't take it. Stop calling everybody else. Dialing your friends and you get voicemail. <laughs> because they see your number. Call Jesus. He'll always answer. He may not always give you what you think you need, but he'll always give or what you think you want, but he'll always give you what you need. Because he knows me better than I know myself. He knows you better than you know yourself. So be filled with his spirit. Now, that's the before. The intermediate is now Christ moving in, okay? You've been swept out, you've been clean, you've been decorated, and now your house is ready for Christ to move in. He's ready to move. He's to pull the U-Haul truck up to the driveway, and Christ is ready. The angels are moving all the furniture of, of Christ in and all of that, and all your junk is gone. Listen, don't be the kind of person that when someone is cleaning your house out, you're the kind of person that walks up behind them and says, oh, don't throw that away. Leave that there. <laughs> 
Oh, no, no, that, that means a lot to me. My grandmother gave me this. I call it sentimental sins. Oh, no, I, this attitude was passed down from my grandmother. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't throw that away. When Jesus starts, when the Holy Spirit begins to clean you out, let him throw everything away that he desires to throw away because you don't need it. You don't need it. Don't be the one that follows behind him. And don't, please, please, please don't be the one that you find out on the curb looking through the garbage bags <laughs> saying, why did he get rid of this? Why did he get, why did the Holy Spirit get rid of this? I like my wit. Why did he throw it away? Because you don't need it. Don't look at what he's gotten rid of. Look at what he's replaced it with. Instead of being bitter and angry all the time, he's giving you joy and peace. Instead of being hateful, he's put love inside of you. Instead of being vengeful, he put prayer inside of you. Humility. Instead of being proud. See, the Pharisees couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. They thought they knew it. They thought they were perfect. They thought they were above everybody, but they were empty shells. They were polished. They knew the law. They could quote you the law, but they did not know Jesus. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And there are so many who claim to be Christians. <laughs> The Bible says nothing about Christians going to heaven. It talks about believers not perishing, but having everlasting life. Those who commit, who are in a relationship with Jesus. Christians is found in the, in the Bible, I know, in the King James Version, I believe it's one time at Antioch. And it really wasn't meant as a complimentary thing. It's kind of like, oh, those those Christians, they follow Jesus Christ. They, you know, I don't want to just be known as a Christian. I want to be known as someone in a relationship with Jesus, someone who's a light, someone who is, is a follower of Jesus, someone who's in love with Jesus. And the only way that can be is it's got to be evidence in my life, not the junk that's on the curb, but the stuff that he's put inside of me. Don't judge me by what he's wiped out, what he's cleaned out. Look at me by what he's put inside of me because my past is out there on the curve, but my now is right here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He's done a great work in me, a great work in you, a great work in us. I don't want to be the one that's telling Christ, leave that there, don't mess with that going through the bags, you know, trying to recycle stuff, trying to be a good citizen, saying, Lord, this can be recycled. I don't want my attitude recycled for nothing. I don't want any part of my past life or what I used to wear when I served the devil. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are now new. When Christ moves in, he wants to, he knocks he wants to sup. He comes in. He wants to sup with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He doesn't want to treat you like a puppet. He wants to treat you like a partner in this, that we walk. He leads us. He guides us. We follow him. Yes. So the impure spirit is cast out. The sinful spirit, the wrongful, the moral, was unoccupied. 
parents, when your college kids move out, I, I, I can say when our college kids, because I got two now. When our college kids move out and that room that you have in the house is vacant and you have plans that I'm going to turn that into a den, that's going to be my exercise room. I'm going to get me a stationary bike, put me a little TV up, put my music in. I'm going, you better do it. You better hurry and get to it. Because when that college student comes back home, And they go to their old room. If it's been clean, swept, and garnished, and decorated and everything, but unoccupied, guess what? Oh, bring all my bags in here. I can live here. And guess what? I got some college buddies with me. Can they come too? They eat. You got seven times more. Yeah. They use your water seven times more. More wicked than your son or your daughter, <laughs> right? Maybe he ate a half a box of cereal. They eat up a whole box. I don't know. But if you don't, let, if you don't fill that space up, then you can't say, oh, sorry. I'm already using that for something else. You have to go tell the devil. The devil come back and say, listen, I'd like to live back. And you say, no, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit lives here. You can't live here. He tries to bring hate. Oh, sorry, hate. Love, love resides here. Can't live, can't live here. So you better, you better, you better get those, you better get that den going. You better get that stationary bike, whatever it is, your sewing room, whatever it's going to be. Because they, they, when they come back, and sometimes it might not be friends, sometimes it might be a wife and kids. <laughs> Say hi to grandma and grandpa. <laughs> right? Yeah, and then you got little feet running around in the house. They own little demons. <laughs> Not, not real demons, but you know. <laughs> fill up the space. My point is, fill up the space with God things. Not good things, but with God things. Fill up the space with the Holy Spirit. Huh? Let the Holy Spirit do its work in you. The Holy Spirit loves us. He wants to, he wants to have a relationship. He wants to, to show us things that we thought we could see. He wants to live big and large in us. This is our chance because of evil spirit. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? One of the Gospels talks about uh, when he was tempted, 40 days, 40 nights, he was in the wilderness, and he was tempted to turn stone into bread, uh, to jump out of, you know, from the pinnacle and to bow down, all those things. And Jesus rebuked the devil. He used the word to rebuke it. See, Jesus was fasting and just like when we, when we fast, we're not just fasting to devoid ourselves of food, okay? We're fasting because we, 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 we don't fast just so that we're not eating. We're fasting so that we can pray, we can walk closer to God, and, and we can allow God's spirit to move more and more in us, to live more and more in us. It's not just about not having food. It's about discipline. It's about Showing and sacrifice that you want to walk closer to God, giving up something. And listen, let me tell you, for some people, fasting from food and stuff is not hard because they just don't eat a lot. But maybe there's something else. Maybe you love watching, you know, the, the housewives of New Jersey or something like that. And you say, I'm going to fast from watching that. Okay? I'm going to lay off for a week. I'm not going to, or, or two weeks. 
I'm not going to watch it. Okay? There may be other things that's a big sacrifice for you. Okay? It's not food. It's not fasting from food, but it's disciplining yourself to walk closer to God. This is how the Holy Spirit, this is how we get more of God's Spirit in us. And again, I'm not saying it's by our works. It's not by our works, but it's by our obedience and our discipline and our desire to be more and more like God. And to want more and more of Jesus in us. And so, when we look at that, and, 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 and we see that God has, has given us an opportunity to walk in him and to love him and for him to love us. We cherish that. We cherish that. Because being filled with God's spirit, is my point, being filled with God's spirit doesn't mean that I'm perfect and I don't make mistakes. Okay? Because a person that's not filled with the Spirit will do something and not admit it. Okay? We'll sweep it under the rug. We'll justify it. We'll say, oh, well, you know, they did it to me first, so I just did it back to them. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know. You hit me, I hit you back. I'm not turning the cheek because you'll hit me in the other cheek. So, you know. so it's not about that. It's about discipline. It's about living, loving God. When you do wrong, admit it, repent. Okay? This is how God moves in. Into us more and more. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is a process that it, you know, when, when, when you believe and you're saved, it's like, oh, it, it takes a while before the Holy Spirit comes in you. Um, you know, I'm saying when you believe in Jesus Christ, when Jesus moves in our heart, he brings everything that heaven has. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You think Jesus moves in and then the Father and the Holy Spirit are not there? When he moves in, we have everything that we need. Now it's just a matter of developing into what he wants us to be. Developing into what he wants us to be. So you look at your condition, your before, your intermediate, and your after. And the question that you might ask is, how can I be filled with God's spirit? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. They'll have it up here, so if you don't want to turn it to your, in your Bible, we'll have it up here on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 15, um, 15 through 20. Verses 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And debauchery is um, excessive indulgence and sensual pleasures, you know, so don't. Be drunk on wine because it will lead to that. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we filled with the Spirit? He tells us right here. Okay, don't be drunk on wine. It'll lead to other things, excessive things, the things that you, you, you don't even remember doing, but things you don't remember saying. It will lead to that, debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms. I mean, singing, hymns. You know, well, I don't have a voice. I can't sing. It, you know, God said make a joyful noise. He didn't say make a beautiful noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen? And it didn't say be, be in the right key in the chord. Just make a joyful. Joy, joy comes from the heart, right? So if it's a noise that you're making and it's joyful, that means it sounds good to God. The choir director may plug his ears, but it sounds good to God. Okay? 
Make a joyful noise, okay? Sing songs, hymns uh, from the Spirit, songs from the Spirit, okay? If the Spirit is in you, the Spirit's going to give you how to sing, what to sing, and it's going to connect and make music from your heart to the Lord. Again, this is to who? This is to the Lord, okay? So what I'm doing when I'm being filled with the Spirit, I am serving God. I am focusing on the Lord. I am singing music and I am singing songs to the Lord. I'm speaking great things to you. I'm loving you and I'm praying for you. All right? Always give thanks to God the Father. I'm thanking God instead of complaining about things. When you complain about things, you open a window for the enemy to come in. Not a door, but a window. All right? Just a little piece. If he can get a little toehold in there, he's going to try to come in. There's a song that we used to sing back in the old church that says, don't let the devil ride. Because if you let him ride, he's going to try to drive. Huh? Don't let him. Don't let him come in. Don't let him get in your car because he's going to be a backseat driver. He's going to tell you where to go. He's going to tell you how to go. He's going to say, oh, watch that, watch that. Don't let him get in. Keep him out of your life. And the way you do it is by staying filled with God's spirit. Hallelujah. Be filled with God's spirit. Live your life in the spirit. Paul told the church, if you live in the spirit, then walk in the spirit. And he also tells us what the fruit of the spirit are. You know those. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. There's nine of them. Okay? Have the fruit of the spirit. Walk in his spirit, and you'll keep the enemy out of your soul. I'm not saying out of your life. Okay, you're not going to keep my, if he, if he came in Jesus' life, who are you? Who am I? Okay, you, you're not going to keep him coming to your doorstep, okay? Just take up that welcome sign. You're not going to keep him from doing that, but you don't want him in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we're going to pray today because maybe there's something here this morning. You got it all together. You know the rules. You're a good person. You do nice things. You go to the soup kitchen, volunteer at Boomerangs. You do all these great things. But maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> you might say, that's kind of crazy. I do all those things. And I don't have a relationship with Jesus. No, sometimes you have a relationship with a person or a people or a church, but you may not have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. So maybe you're here today, and you've been walking a straight line, just living it. Just doing all kind of good things, but your heart's not turned over. You're not Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in you, meaning he doesn't lead your life. And you want to be a, you want to be a true follower of Jesus, a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I want to pray this morning for us. So if you're here today, you can repeat this prayer. And when we pray this prayer, just basically it's telling you that you repent of your sin. You confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for your sins. He rose for your life. And by faith through grace, you're saved. Okay? So I'm going to pray. For you that you can pray out loud or you can just pray to yourself. Pray in your heart. But we're going to pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved and a follower of you, Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, you can move in my heart. 
In Jesus' name, amen.